Got my 2023 podcast movement recap ready to roll. And of course, it all starts with YouTube. And now a look at what's trending in the podcast world and how it can help your show. It's the Jack Show Podcast. The best session I attended was from Jay Nicholas of Coleman Insights and Steve Goldstein of Amplify Media. Their Thursday keynote was the new rules of podcasting on YouTube. Now, before I get into the results of their thousand person survey, I will say this. There's a belief among some old school podcasters that if your show isn't audio only and delivered by RSS feed, it's not a podcast. And while that may be true on the tech geekery side, it's the 2023 equivalent of your music's too loud, get off my lawn, or Abe Simpson as old man yelling at cloud, a literal cloud with YouTube in this case. 75% of the consumers surveyed defined a podcast as either audio or video. So if you don't think your show belongs on YouTube, fine, but you're missing a huge opportunity. This is a case where the customer actually is always right. Now, I'm not saying you need a fully produced video on YouTube or any video on YouTube. You can just put your audio out there with an audiogram using a tool like Headliner. But Google owns YouTube. How many times have you Googled something and gotten a bunch of YouTube results? Internet search remains one of the big drivers of podcast discovery. Yeah, Google might display your results from Apple or Spotify, but you'd be a fool not to have any kind of presence on YouTube. There are 500 hours of content uploaded to YouTube every single minute. Think about that. YouTube is massive. And don't forget YouTube Shorts. They're answer to TikTok and Instagram or Facebook Reels. Shorts are getting 50 billion, with a B, views every day. Now, not sure what that says about our attention spans, but even if you just post a short, under 60 seconds video shot on your phone, talking about some great content, from your full episode, people will find it. In fact, 40% of the YouTube podcast consumers in this survey say they found a new podcast because of YouTube Shorts. Now, my big takeaway from Podcast Movement 2022 was that it's a big leap to get someone to click out of a social media app and over to a podcast app. But the latest research, as mentioned by Pierre Bouvard of Cumulus, shows that audiences will click over to their favorite podcast app when they see or hear about a show they like whether that favorite podcast app is Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. In fact, back to Jay and Steve's survey, 72% of podcast consumers are using multiple apps for consumption. And when you rank the apps, it's YouTube first, Spotify second, Apple Podcasts third. Respondents found YouTube easier to use, the user experience better, and even discoverability better. Surprisingly, YouTube also did well age 25 plus. So while the majority of folks in the survey use multiple apps, there are some people that just already know how to navigate YouTube and don't want to learn Apple or Spotify. A big moment at Podcast Movement came from YouTube itself when Steve McClendon, product lead of YouTube Podcasts, said they will look to bring shows in by RSS feed by the end of 2023. So for audio-only podcasts, you only have to publish it in one place. Three caveats, though. One. This is only for audio podcasts because the tech and bandwidth aren't there to include video into the feed for most podcast hosts. Two, it doesn't appear, at least, that YouTube stats will be incorporated into your podcast host, so you may still need to get numbers from multiple places. And there are a couple podcast hosts currently touting they will display YouTube metrics, but you still have to combine those numbers with your traditional podcast data. And three, per Matt Cundell of Winnipeg Sound Off Media Company, 
If your podcast has dynamic ads that get added automatically, this feature won't be for you. YouTube will treat those ads as third-party content and boot you. Instead, you'll have to manually upload your episode's ad-free MP3 file and not go in straight from your RSS feed. Now, as you might expect from a conference of this size, not everyone agrees on everything. Enter Rob Walsh from podcast host Libsyn. Every year, I look forward to his annual session called Yes, That Marketing Advice for Your Podcast is BS. One of Rob's key points that I agree with wholeheartedly, don't buy into any of the spam promising to boost your downloads, followers, and subscribers. You may get a momentary bump, but it won't last when you stop paying. And more importantly, as mentioned in several other sessions, if you're trying to goose your numbers to sell to advertisers, those advertisers will be gone when their ROI drops because they aren't selling to engaged listeners. Other myths busted by Rob. There are too many podcasts out there. There are over 4 million podcasts listed in the podcast index. Know how many there are active? And by active, Rob means they've made it to 10 episodes and they've put something out in the last 90 days. Try 400,000. You're actually only competing with 10% of the shows out there. And don't even get him started on blogs. For every one active podcast out there, there are 2,000 blogs. Don't let the myth of a crowded marketplace scare you from starting a show. Ratings and reviews do not matter. I wish I could scream this from the mountaintops. Ratings and reviews don't matter for podcast discovery. Yes, they're good for social proof if someone does find your show. But Apple's charts search by podcast title, author, and total followers all time. Note here, Apple and Spotify now say followers because subscribers are paying for content. Stop asking for ratings and reviews at the end of your podcast. Everyone does this. Instead, ask for a follow on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Although technically, YouTube still uses subscribe just to make this more confusing. And in the words of every YouTube ever, hey guys, make sure to smash that subscribe button. Now here's where Rob disagrees with some of the other presenters in Denver. According to his numbers from Libsyn, Apple is still far and away the dominant podcast app of choice. Rob also mentions that none of the top 200 podcasts on Apple have a video component in their feed. Here's my takeaway. Different folks are going to give you different numbers on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Bottom line, you need to have a strategy for all three, and that's what I'm telling my clients. One other point Rob made that got the attention of some of my producer and editor colleagues. In the latest version of Apple's iOS, they stopped automatically displaying episode numbers on episodic podcasts. In other words, podcasts that display the most recent episodes first. Now, the numbers are still there for the fewer and further between serial-style podcasts you need to consume in order, starting with episode number one, two, three, etc., this is a fairly recent change, as we've all been previously told that Apple would penalize you for adding episode numbers because they were doing it themselves. Rob says a key reason for us to put episode numbers in is accessibility. Visually impaired folks, as well as anyone who uses screen readers, will be able to navigate much better through your show this way. Now, I'm all about accessibility. I include transcripts for my client podcasts when possible to help the hearing impaired, as well as for the SEO benefit. But SEO and search could be reasons to not add episode numbers. Back to Matt Kundal. Episode numbers do take up real estate. That real estate is why Rob says to not use the word the in your podcast's name. Oops. In addition, every podcast player app treats search differently. So numbers at the front can make searchability difficult. I posed the episode number question this morning to my friend Brandon, who is visually impaired. Here's what he wrote back. 
It only matters if it's relevant. For example, if you're doing a series on something that has several parts, I would absolutely recommend labeling that part one through part five, for example. If each episode is a standalone, completely irrelevant. A good title and description matters more. If people are truly going to work on something that would be better for visually impaired podcast listeners, make sure show episode descriptions are accurate and easily accessible. Here's my tentative conclusion here, of course, subject to change. And I'll use a client as an example. Melissa Joy Dobbins just eclipsed 1 million total downloads on her nutrition and science podcast, Sound Bites. As you might imagine, there's a lot of content crossover between episodes. She's nearly 250 episodes in. And she'll often say, if you want to know more about this topic, you can go back and check out episode number 133 with guest X. So for a show like hers that often references episodes by numbers, this could be a consideration. Additionally, she's on Libsyn, a host which offers a separate field for Apple-specific episode title, separate from your main episode title field. So if both conditions are true, you reference episode numbers, and your host allows a separate title specifically for Apple, you may want to add numbers in that field. If not, I'm still not completely sold on the idea. Next topic for my recap is brief but important. The use of artificial intelligence in podcasting. Two key takeaways. One, listeners are okay with you using AI as long as it's not a downgrade in quality. And it's pretty easy to tell when something was written or voiced badly by AI. But as a tool in your workflow, no problem. And as AI improves, it'll be able to do more. Eventually, it'll not only be able to translate your podcast into multiple languages, but if it's video, it'll match your lips to the sounds coming out of your mouth. Un podcast en español, por ejemplo. Just kidding, I did that myself, but you get the idea of where this was going. Second AI takeaway. Anything you use for AI must be proofed by a human. I have some clients that have ChatGPT write content for their shows, but they need to adjust it or at least adjust their ChatGPT prompts. On the production side, I often use Descript and Adobe to improve poor quality audio, but sometimes it'll lose an S, it'll make someone sound lispy, or it'll mess up a laugh. On the written side, Descript and Decipher.ai are good for generating transcripts from audio, but none are as good as the human service I sometimes use, GoTranscript.com. Decipher is also good at writing show notes and social media posts, but not perfect. Always go in and adjust it yourself. The robots have not taken over yet. Now, over to Spotify. Not only were they at podcast movement, but they were involved in several panels. They were big about talking about video and including it in RSS feeds. But so far, the only easy way to do this is to use Spotify as your podcast host. This used to be done with Anchor, which is now rebranded as Spotify for Podcasters. Anchor to me was always the spirit airlines of podcast hosts. It's free, and like those big yellow planes, you get what you pay for. Hosting keeps you in their ecosystem, and while you can still get the show over to Apple, Google, Amazon, and more, you are beholden to Spotify. And if you think putting all your eggs in the Spotify basket is a good idea, just look at the graveyard of Spotify-exclusive shows that either failed or caved and became available on other platforms. Or as one podcast movement presenter called it, the Conan O'Brien effect. When he got screwed by NBC, had that move exclusively to TBS work out for him. Finally, I'll give the last word to one of the smartest guys in podcasting, Tom Webster, now of Sounds Profitable. I'm sure you know a podcaster who wants to be the next Joe Rogan and pull those types of numbers. What Tom said, and did brilliantly without making it political, by the way, is this. Joe Rogan's hardcore fans make up about 10% of the overall population. Much of the other 90% can't stand him. But thanks to that 10%, he's the most successful podcast out there. Better to have only 10% of people love you 
then 100% of people be, meh. Tom actually used a bonsai tree for this analogy. Don't be afraid to prune your audience as you hone what works. Okay, I know that was a lot to digest. If you have any questions about any of this or anything related to podcasting, you can find me at jagindetroit.com or on social at jagindetroit. Later! The most popular ways to grow a podcast are recommendations of friends and family. So share this episode with someone you know. And for any questions you have about podcasts, find JAG online at jagindetroit.com.